Good morning, church. Good morning. Uh, my name is Tumkunde Mwesiga. Uh, like Pastor Chris has said, I'm a student at GWC doing my Bachelor's of Theology. I'm in my first year. I'm so grateful to the Lord for this opportunity that he has given me to stand here before you. Yeah, when I got the news, I was excited, not until the last few days when reality started dawning and the nerves were, I was, oh. And this morning when I saw people walking in, I was like, are they coming to listen to what I'm going to say? Oh, you know, then the nerves went up, but all in all, we will thank God because this is never about us. It's never about me or the preacher. It's about God. And we thank him uh, for the opportunity that he gives us. I also want to take this opportunity to thank the leadership team for giving me this opportunity to share the word of the Lord. Let's pray as we dive deeper. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to sit at your feet, to learn from your word, and Lord, we pray that uh, this ancient word will impact our lives, to bring forth the fruit that you've uh, chosen us to be. Lord, that we shall be the people you've called us to be, to be united in our homes, in our families, in schools, in the places of work, Lord Father, and in different places where you have, put, uh, you have posted us, Lord Father, that we shall be the agents of change and bring forth that unity that you have called us to maintain, Lord Father. We thank you and we bless your name. It's in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Uh, our topic today is unity among believers, and the text has read to us from Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 1. To six, And here Paul, in the book of Ephesians, he talks about unity. And the entire book of Ephesians, when you read it, it's a, Paul, it's a letter that Paul read, wrote that reveals God's divine plan for his church and also for us as Christians. It basically talks about three things, the thinking, the being, and the doing of a Christian. And so when Paul Writes this, uh, writes this letter, he was encouraging the Ephesians, you know, telling them how they, are, they ought to live as Christians, how they ought to do things, how they ought to behave, you know, and he was challenging them to do all that in unity. And one may wonder why does Paul talk about unity? When you look back in those days, you're going to see that the congregation that he was talking to, this was a congregation of Jews and Gentiles, people who had nothing in common, People who are totally different, like you can imagine, now being brought together in one roof. These are people who are different uh, in language, behavior, religion, uh, their ethnic group uh, background was totally different. These are people who are dif uh, differentiated by God. I mean, back in the days, in the old days, in the Old Testament, when God called Israel and he chose it to be his nation, he chose to use Israel to bring forth his blessings and to show his power to the nations. And that's how the difference started. So Paul is talking to such people. And when Jesus, when God, calls, when God calls, called the Israelites, he gave them instructions on how they were to live, which formed them to be a different people. They were very different from the Gentiles. These are people who didn't know God, who had nothing to do with God. And now we see that in the Old Testament, Jesus reconciles the two groups, they become one. And now one wonders how these two different groups will be able to live together. How the Jews, 
who knew God and who had walked with God, how they are going to be together with the Gentiles, these guys who didn't know God. And uh, we see that Paul, uh, he writes a letter, and this, is, uh, this letter, it's a bridge that talks about unity in the church. When you read verse 1, it talks about, it urges us about the call that he calls us to be united. It's a call that comes from chapter 1 to 3, where he calls us to the unity that he talks about in chapters 1, 2, and 3. He talks about the unity that we have in Christ. So verse 1 calls us to that unity. It tells us to, to be eager to live a life that is worth of the calling that we have received. That calling is a call to unity. The unity that he talks about in verses, in chapters 1, 2, and 3. When you see verses uh, 3, he talks about, he urges the congregation to maintain that unity that has already been achieved for them. And then verses 4, 5, and 6, he talks about the oneness that we have. So Paul gives them a ground, a basis for why these people have to live in unity. Because there is oneness, there is, there is a sense of oneness that these two different groups now share or have in common. So the link of the unity with the first half of the letter also suggests to us what was happening back then, which I've just explained, how the, these two different groups were totally different in behavior, culture-wise, and now coming together. And this is what inspired Paul to write this letter. And this takes us to our question of what is unity then? How are these people who are different going to live together? How are they going to do things together? When we hear unity, often we think that it's getting along with one another, not offending one another, you know, doing things together and, you know, everyone is happy with you, everyone is happy with the way you behave. But friends, biblical unit, uh, uh, the biblical unity or the unit that the Bible talks about is much deeper than just getting along, just agreeing to be one, with one another. It's just not pragmatic where we pretend that we are together. I remember there's a time uh, one of the people, uh, top government leaders in Uganda, had issues with their marriage. And uh, so they didn't want the public to know about what was going on. So these people get out of the house, they would be together, functions, national functions, and weddings, and all these things would see them together. But when they would go back home, everyone had their own bedroom. Same house, one roof, but different bedrooms. Use different cars. It's only on those occasions where they would, you know, come and sit together, let's say in church, there's a big function, just to put, put on a show and show that people that everything is well. But in reality, all, all things were not well. There's nothing that was well. So when Jesus calls us to unity, it is not telling us to pretend about things. It is not telling us to come together as though everything is well, yet inside our hearts we are disagreeing. No, he calls us to a unity that has already been established a unit of truth, a unit that has been forged by God. And the only way we can achieve this unit is when we are in God. So it's not something we are going to pretend about. It's not something we are going to, you know, uh, try to, to forge. No, it's a unit that 
that, that Christ that God has already made for us. So the biblical unity that is talked about, it is both a state of being one, and with that it is a feeling or expression of oneness, togetherness, and a cooperation for a common goal. As we are here this morning, I mean, we are all different, different places. I come from Uganda. People come from, some from South Africa, UK. I mean, we are all different. But you see, we are all gathered here with one common goal. Just worship God. And that, that makes us one. You know, people are coming in and praying for me and saying, we have been praying for you. Don't be nervous. You're in a, a congregation of people who love you. I mean, what makes you love me who is from Uganda? You're from South Africa. We're all different. So you see, there's that one common thing that brings us together, that unifies us, that helps us to celebrate our uniquenesses. And that's what it means to be united in God. Friends, you have to notice that when Paul was writing this, he didn't, he was not, he, not that he was ignorant of, 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 of the fact that people knew that they were united or they had one common goal. What actually Paul wanted them to know is how to work out their differences. Because even as we are gathered here, even as we have that one common goal, in a way we are different. We see things differently. We perceive things differently. So we can never be the same. We can never be the same. Unity doesn't mean sameness. It doesn't mean we're going to see things the same way. There's a sense of, of style you love that I don't love. I love my sense of style. You love your sense of style. We see things differently. We understand things differently. So the thing is, how are those differences going to be brought together, reconciled, so that we become one? How are those differences going to be handled so that they don't break us? So Paul labors to explain in verses 4 to 6, and he lays a ground, the motivation for this unity why we need to be united. How do we get all those differences that we have and still become one? How will you, uh, you know, remain in your personality, remain who you are, not pretending to put on a show to please other people, but then in that uniqueness, in that difference, become one? And this is what Paul tries to tell us in verses 4 to 6. When you read verses 4 to 6, you see that there's a lot of one, one, one body, one spirit, just like we are called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and you know, Father of all. Paul is trying to tell us that as we are different, different personalities, different, uh, the differences we have, but yet we still have one common ground that unites us as Christians. Praise the name of the Lord. There is one common goal, there's one common ground that unites us. And he talks about the one body, which is Jesus Christ. We all believe in Jesus Christ, not so. Those who are saved, those who profess his name, who profess and who call themselves Christians. We believe in one God, and we believe in the one Lord, who is Jesus Christ. That's what, number one. That's the basis for our unique uh, for our, our oneness. That's a ground that makes us one. He talks about one spirit, just like we are called to one hope. Friends, when God calls us to one hope, he calls us to a particular hope. 
And that hope is hope in Jesus Christ. All those who are saved, they have, they have hope in Jesus Christ. You have hope in Jesus Christ, I have hope in Jesus Christ, and that makes us one. Because there is one thing that unifies us. There is one person that brings us together, and that is Jesus Christ. And this is the same hope that keeps us moving, that gives us the expectancy, that directs and unifies our actions. Because we believe in this one hope, we believe in the same God, in a way, it directs how you think, it shapes how you behave. Because you're a Christian, your end goal is to please God, your end goal is to, to glorify God, and I'm also a Christian, my end goal is to please God and to glorify God. So in a way, that will bring us to a common ground. And this is what Paul t is talking about, to be one, to be united. He talks about one faith, the unifying belief in, in the one Lord and a confession of him as our Lord and Savior. All those who are saved, we profess that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, regardless of your background, regardless of where you come from. We all confess that Jesus Christ is our personal Lord and, and Savior. So in a way, that makes us one. He goes on to talk about one baptism. When Paul talks about one baptism, it doesn't mean what we had here, like, because it happens once in a lifetime of a Christian. You know, he means that this, when we are baptized, we are initiated into the family of Christ. We are initiated into the body of Christ, into that one family. So in a way, that also unifies us. We are baptized into the family of Christ. I remember I was baptized when I was very young in an Anglican church. And so growing up, I went to a, a, a Pentecostal school where the pastor preached to us and told us that all those who are baptized by sprinkling, that wasn't baptism. You need to come and be a must. I mean, I didn't know the difference. My theology was still, you know, uh, lacking. So I ran. I was like, no, I'm going to go and get baptized, the real baptism. So I went and I was baptized the second time. But this is not what Paul talks about, being baptized by, you know, uh, uh, price or with one style of baptism. No. All Paul is talking about is the initiation into God's family. So when you're baptized, you're made, you're initiated into the family of Christ. You become a Christian because you believe in Jesus Christ. So that becomes a basis for one, for our oneness. So if you're here and you've been baptized, if you're here and you're walking with Jesus Christ, that makes us one. That's what makes us one. Praise the name of the Lord. He further goes on to talk about one God and Father of all. So God who is three is one unity. We know God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And is God united. So we see that the call we are given in chapters 1, 2, and 3 it is a call to be part of the unity that has already been established. We are not called to start up something new. We are not called to forge our unity. No, we are called to be part of what Christ has already achieved for us. There is unity that already exists, and this is the unity 
that we are called to be part of. And we see Christ uniting us, reconciling us back to the Father. We see Christ reconciling uh, us to one another. So when we live in this unity, when we work out this unity, when we maintain the unity, in a way, we are showing off God himself. We are showing the word who God is. And in a way, the mystery of the gospel is brought to life, where irreconcilable things are now united as one, where God, the holy God, is united to us as sinners, where sinners are united to, to one another. So this call, friends, it's a privilege that we have been given to be united, to participate in that which has already been done for us. Praise the Lord. So you may be wondering, like, okay, so how are we going to do this? How are we to maintain it? How are we to achieve it? And he also goes on in verses uh, 1 to 3. He, Paul exhorts us to be humble. When you read verses 2 uh, from 1 to 3, you see he says, Be completely humble. Be gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Making every effort to keep the unity through the bond of peace. When you carefully look at these things, patience, humility, gentleness, love, you're going to realize that this is, this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is practically the work of the Spirit. So, when we are challenged to come and maintain this unity, we are, Paul is basically telling us to yield to the work of the Holy Spirit. To be humble. Not to think of yourself more highly than others, you know, to feel more important, you feel like you're more important than others. You, you, when you're around, you feel like, yeah, I'm the guy, or you know, you're the top guy. But he calls us to be humble. When you're humble, you see others as Christ sees them. Praise the name of the Lord. He tells us to be gentle, to be willing to achieve, to go for a common goal, to achieve a common good for the, uh, a common goal for the good of the believers for the good of uh, for the for the uh, body of Christ to bring glory to God not for your own gain not for personal reputation you know you want to do this so that you appreciate it so that you're seen and many times we do these things just to be seen to be patient with one another being able to give room for others when they error there's a time when I was still serving at church as a youth worker there's a, a young man who was struggling with you know, pornography and masturbation. And so we're praying together and trying to, you know, I was working with him. And um, every time we would pray and he goes back after two, three days, he comes back and says, ah, it happened again. I'm like, okay, well, let's keep praying. Let's keep believing God. Because I know some things take a long time. I mean, this deliverance can be it can be instant or it can be a process, I mean, depending on how God wants to do it. So I, was, I, I, I had to be patient with him. I'm like, don't mind, don't fear to tell me when it happens again. Please come. And I was giving him room and I was being patient with him. And it took some time. He kept telling me, yeah, it has happened again. And then we pray and then it takes a week and then, you know. So until the Lord delivered him. 
So this is what Paul tells us, to be patient with one another. When people are not moving the same way uh, you expect them to move, when a Christian is not behaving the way they're supposed to behave, what are you going to do with them? Are you going to cut them off? Are you going to call them off? Are you going to, you know, close them out? How are you going to deal with such people? Be patient with them. Pray for them, you know. Encourage them. Give them room for them to improve. And he further goes on to talk about bearing with one another in love. Friends, without love, there's nothing that can happen. And that's why the Bible tells us that love covers a multitude of sin. He doesn't mean that close your eyes to sin when things are not going right and just pretend as if everything is going on well because you love them. No. He tells us to rebuke one another in love. You know, there's a difference when someone rebukes you out of love. That rebuke it comes with an intention to build you, to, to, to reinstate you, to strengthen you, to bring you back. You know, and that's what Paul is telling us, to rebuke one another in love, to bear with one another in love. Show them love. Show people love. Talk to them kindly. You know, there are people I know, when something funny happens, and this normally happens in the world, when something bad happens or they catch you in, a, you know, in a, 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 a maybe adultery or what, they want to spoil your name. They put it over the news, they, you know, they, run, uh, they run it on televisions just to bring you down, just to pull you down. But that's not love. That's not what Paul is telling us to do. What Paul is telling us to do is to have such people, hold them, pray for them, speak to them, you know, show them, yes, what they have done is wrong and God doesn't like it. But there is room. There is room for, for repentance. There is room for forgiveness. Things can be done better. And this is what Paul is challenging us to do. So bearing with one another in love. And friends, when you read Romans 5.5, 5, uh, Galatians 5.14, you're going to see that this love has already been poured in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So basically it is us yielding to the Spirit of God. It is talking, it's basically telling us a way that we have to live, a lifestyle of a Christian Christians, we should be able to bear with one another in love. He goes on to talk about and also making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Mark these words, make every effort. So this is not something you do when it is convenient. It's not something you wake up and you're like, okay, yeah, today I want to be a peacemaker. Uh, tomorrow I'm not in the mood. Like, uh, this is something you have to make a priority. This is something you have to wake up and be like, this is my priority, to maintain the unity that Christ has already uh, established. So it is our responsibility as Christians to maintain that which Christ has done for us, to maintain the unity of peace. And he says to maintain this unity is through the bond of peace. When you read uh, Galatians, uh, when you read chapter 2, of Ephesians 14 to 18, you're going to see Jesus Christ being personified as peace, reconciling us back to God, reconciling sinners to God, bringing things together. And you may wonder, so, okay, how do I, what do I have to do? This is a call for us to be agents of peace wherever God has placed us. You're in a community. I know this normally happens when people are together. Words will always move. This 
person may say something funny about the other one. So you as a person in the middle, what are you going to do? Are you the one who's going to go take words from this side to the other side, causing problems and wrecking, wrecking uh, havoc among people? Or you're going to be one who's going to reconcile people? So it is a call for us to imitate Christ and be agents of peace. There was a time a couple was going through uh, a hard time and uh, happened to Know, what was so try to talk to the lady, find out what was happening. The lady would tell me different things, you know, go to the husband. The husband also tells you uh, the issues that he's having with the wife. So it was now up to me to sit down and say, what do I share? What do I not share? Or if I'm to share, how do I change it? Not to tell a lie, but to tell a truth without causing problem, you know? And in a way, you find that when you do that, you bring people together. Unfortunately, that marriage will come back together. Yeah, but I'm not sure I'm trying to say. The whole point is, see how you communicate. See how you deliver your message. Don't be a patient of, or, 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 of this finish. Don't go taking words from, yeah, I've heard this, uh, this person say this. You run to the other person. Ask yourself, if this person gets to share this, how do they feel about it? Am I building this? Am I causing this? Am I building? Am I bringing these two parties together, or am I destroying them? So before you run with words, before you say, "Hey, I heard this about you," first ask yourself, "What? How will they feel if they get wrong?" And with this bring unity, this build peace, all which is going to tear people's lives apart. So Christ is calling us to be agents of peace wherever He has placed us. Praise the name of the Lord. So I know you might be wondering, like, okay, well, we have heard about this unity and this peace. So what are we to do with people like the Mormons, the witnesses, the Muslims? Are we to be united with them? Are we to be one? When you read Bathory, it talks about Bathory says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And I want to mark the words unity of the spirit. So we see that the source of the unity is the spirit of God. So it is a privilege that is given to those who are Christian. This exhortation is not for the non-Christians. It is for the Christians. So if you be part of the unity, you have to be part of this family, you have to be Christian. Because it is the Holy Spirit that supplies the unity. The Holy Spirit who is at work in our lives, who regenerates us, who resides in us, who transforms our lives inside, outside. And, and, and chapter 1, verses 22 to 23, it addresses that the Spirit of God as the head of all, uh, the head of over one united body. So you see that the Spirit of God, who is the source of the unity we are to achieve, my pain, is, this, uh, it is, is the head of those one body. The one body that you have seen is one baptism, one faith, no, one Lord. So if you're not in this body, if you're not in the body of Christ, if you're not a Christian, then this unit doesn't apply. Praise the name of God. Doesn't mean that you hate this other people. Doesn't mean that you know love them, but you can't be united. 
with them. So this unit we are called to is the unity of the Holy Spirit. It is the unity that we can only achieve through the Holy Spirit. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, having heard all this, you may be worried and scared, like, okay, so we have had this, which is, uh, it is Mandela, which is our responsibility as Christians to maintain the unity of the Spirit. But how are we going to do it? Friends, it's not our work to do. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not by human efforts. It has never been easy to be united with one another because of our differences. Our differences often get you know. But with the work of the Holy Spirit, with the help of the Holy Spirit, these things do it. Amen. And he calls us and he says, uh, uh, to, to, he calls us to maintain that which Christ has already built for us. So, our work is to yield the leading of the Spirit. The Lord will keep showing you things, you know. You will see things, you will come and share with you things. So, the your work is now ask, what do I have to do? In this question, what do I have to do? Let's be purpose of the agents of change, of unity, of love. Let's be purpose to be people who are going to consign other people. One another. Uh, uh, I remember there's a time we had organized a youth camp at church. And uh, so there's this one service provider who didn't deliver as expected, as was expected. So among the group of leaders, we had uh, misunderstanding because one group was uh, wanted to take one different course of action, another one was to decide to take a different course of action. One was saying, let's not pay him this full amount, pay him for what he has done, and tell him that we're not paying him the rest of the money because of ABCD. This other thing was like, no, let's give him all the full amount, but not hire him on it. And that broke the team together. We couldn't, have, we couldn't come to a point of understanding. Each team wanted their, uh, uh, their idea to be the one that, uh, that is passed. And friends, this team that was saying, Let's give him his full amount and not try him again. Went on, did that without our knowledge. So what we want to know what happened it well, very much. And the team talked. Because we put it work together. Not until we had to go to higher authority and we went to the youth pastor. He called us in the officer. Everyone was saying what, you know, mean they are saying everyone was trying to sell their side. And after listening to both of our sides, we're all rebuked. We're all sold masters. You know, every group was showed this group, you shouldn't have done that, you should have done ABC. You guys shouldn't have done this, you should have done ABC. And we're actually we're all wrong because the first person should have told higher authority should have told the person who was in charge. But by the end of that meeting, we're all happy, we're all able to move on together. So there will be times when relationships get hard, where, where your marriage is at wrong, where you feel you can't work with a friend. Please seek help from higher authority. Seek help from pastors. Uh, seek help from mature Christians, from a couple that has gone through it. Don't die alone. And as Hope said, this is the charge to us. Let's avoid things that break our unity. 
Let's constantly examine our lives in line with verse one. Are we being humble? Are we being doing things out of that? If you communicate, are you communicating out of that? Or you have some ill motives behind your communication? Or you want to bring someone down? And if we do that, then the light of Christ will be shining. Let's pray. Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray that today you help us to maintain the unity that you have achieved for us in Christ. That we may remain one as you are one with Jesus, so that the world will know the truth in the service. Jesus' name. God bless you.